Well, welcome everyone, brave souls that you are. Thank you so much. You look 20 years younger. I, we really do appreciate your um, wearing masks today and we continue to pray that God would be gracious and protect all of us. As we begin today, will you please join me in the call to worship? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Let us together worship the Lord. If we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. Let us confess our sin to God together. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse us from our sins. For I know our transgressions and our sins are ever before us. Against you, you alone, we have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within us. Do not cast us away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from us. 
Restore us to the joy of your salvation and sustain us in a willing spirit. In Christ we pray. Amen. The assurance of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. May the God of mercy who forgives you all your sins strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. The Lord be with you. As you leave this place today, go into all the world and share the peace of Christ with all of God's children. Whether you are online or if you are with us, there are many opportunities in our church to be engaged in the life and the ministry. So I just want to highlight a few of those. We have on August 21st, Beautification Day, it will be an outdoor event, but we will go to one of the local schools, public schools in San Diego down near downtown and help them prepare to get ready for school. They never have enough resources or enough person power to get everything done. So we actually get to go down as Christians onto a campus and do some work to get things cleaned up and ready. Oftentimes it's painting, it can be very, very simple things, but we could use each one of you. Patrick Singer is a person that you can contact to find out more about that. Also, you might notice that you've seen a few backpacks about. We are collecting backpacks and the items that go into those for over 350 children who are below the poverty level, who do not have the resources to get the stuff that they need to begin school. We want them to be successful, so we're helping to provide those backpacks. And we're doing that through August 22nd, so I hope you are, you are able to engage in that. Also, we have Concert on the Green. Now, this is a way that our church really ministers to you in saying, come sit on the lawn close to the Rancho Santa Fe Inn, uh, Dante Fire, who is our bass player for Contemporary, is coming with his own ensemble to play for us some jazz and some great music. And you just come, you bring your chairs, you bring food, probably enough to share, I hope, because I'll be there. And, um, and we'll just have this really wonderful time out on the lawn. There is going to be the Village Fest, September the 5th, and that is normally when we have a unified service and then we have a bunch of fellowship and fun things to do outside the service. It will happen, what it will look like, we will know when we get there. So we're working on that, but we want you to come and that is September the 5th, so we really look forward to that. There are other ways to serve and be engaged in this church. If you would like to be engaged in any way, ushering, serving as a greeter, please come and talk to me or send me an email and I will get you connected. Thank you.
I'm not sure we need this prayer now. It was beautiful. Following this prayer, I'll invite you to join me in the Lord's Prayer. But now let us bring the needs of the church, the world, and all in need into God's loving care. Gracious God, today we celebrate your amazing love for us. Your gifts to us are unending. This beautiful green and blue planet with an ecosystem that repairs itself, provides for our needs, and demands that we not be extravagant in our uses of it. We celebrate the greatest gift of all, the life, the teaching, and the death of your son on the cross. 2,000 years ago, he taught how to live successfully in community, and he gave his life so that we might understand the message. We pray for our world leaders. We ask for your guiding hand in their negotiations and their mindfulness of the consequences of their actions. We celebrate what we thought was the end of the pandemic. Lord, please, not again. We celebrate that our schools are about to reopen, that our teachers will once again be able to teach face to face, and that our children will again be able to learn and to just be kids. We celebrate that parents will be able to return to their routines and life will be a little less stressful for them. We celebrate that small and large employers are reopening and putting people back to work. We celebrate the gift of this campus, this place that serves as the launch pad for ministries, and our staff, the people who keep it functional and beautiful and running efficiently, and our members and donors who give the money that puts wheels on our ministries. We celebrate the army of volunteers. Their energy just keeps it all going. We celebrate our pastors who lead and direct programs and services and keep us focused on following Jesus for life. We celebrate Pastor Neil's journey with his son Daniel on the Camino de Santiago. We celebrate Pastor Jack and Helen as they prepare for the trip back to San Diego. Return them all safe to us and well, rested, refreshed, relaxed, and ready to begin a new season. And we celebrate Pastor Jan's expanded ministry here at home. Her responsibilities have been greatly expanded during this time. So too has her grace. Lord. We celebrate your unending grace and forgiveness. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
As we now turn together for the word, will you please first join me in prayer? Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone. Let the heavenly food of the scripture we are about to hear nourish us today in the ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. The first reading is from Exodus chapter 16. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Brothers and sisters, will you please stand with me for the reading of the gospel? I'm reading from the gospel according to John, chapter 6. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So they said to him, What signs are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So 
So let me just take a couple of minutes and review last week because I know you all took notes, you have it totally memorized, but if you weren't here, I just kind of want to bring you up to date. So last week we looked at just the first 15 verses of John chapter six, and we found out that Jesus had been healing people and then he went up to the northern part of the Sea of Tiberias and um, was there and the people followed him and they wanted to see the signs and then Jesus ends up feeding 5,000 people, at least 5,000 men, women, and children may be added upon that. And that is this great miracle that they do. They're so excited. I mean, they have, even though the food's only barley and, and fish, you know, barley loaves and fish, they, they have their fill. And they all of a sudden look at Jesus and, and want to make him king. And then he's gone. They don't know where he went. They did see the disciples got in a boat and they went to the other side over to Capernaum, and so they decided to follow. And that's where a story kind of takes up today, that um, they're really in pursuit of Jesus because Jesus fed them. So one thing just to note about why they might want Jesus to be king. At the time, Caesar is in control of Rome, and Caesar's nickname is the king of bread, or the bread king. And the reason why is because if he wanted to control you, all he needed to do was either give or take away the bread. Insurrection, take that bread away. If I need you underneath my thumb, take that bread away. So you could go very, very hungry with Caesar, and they knew that. Poverty was common. And they look at Jesus and said, he's going to give us this bread. So they, when they said, Jesus, let's make Jesus king, they want him to be the new bread king. And so they pursued him. So they get over to the other side and the people begin to ask a series of questions. I love it when you ask a question, you get a different answer, but that's exactly what's going to happen right here. So they're coming and the first thing they do is they go, Rabbi, when did you come here? Which is another way of saying, well, where have you been? You know, we, were, we had this great plan for you and now you've left us, where have you been? Um, you are the, kind of our bread giver. We want you to be, I'm, I'm helping you understand what they're saying when they're saying, where have you been? We want you to be the new bread king. We have a great plan for you. And if anybody who got in a boat and went over there for that purpose really did miss the boat, they just didn't get the reason why Jesus was really there. So they, they've come to pursue this and Jesus reminds them, uh, your fill of food is what you want. You're not looking for the signs. So it's interesting to me that earlier in this chapter, we see that they were following Jesus because they saw the signs that he was doing. Then all of a sudden their bellies are full and they think his role is now different. Your role is to supply that food that we need all the time. So they've kind of switched and Jesus said, you know, you're really coming because you're afraid you'll be hungry again and you want food but I'm telling you what you need is the food that endures. And that word endures, he goes on to say, everlasting, keeps on going. It's the food that won't make you hungry in a few hours after you've eaten because it's going to stick to you. You want that food that endures and the Son of Man will give it to you. And the work instead for them is kind of like okay, well, we wanted food and, and you're telling us that this is not the kind of food we want. We want a food that endures. And what does that look like? And Jesus said, trust the one whom the Father has sent. He sent me to provide that 
for you, that enduring food, that everlasting food. Well, this is the first but not the last time that I think most of us, when we say, gee, don't, <clears throat> don't pursue that physical, that tangible, that what is it the, that many preachers are doing now, that, um, that um, wealth gospel that's out there? You know, like, oh, if you just do this, you get all this money and everything else. They kind of are interested in that. And Jesus is going, no, that's not going to endure. You want, you want what the Father has sent in me, that which endures. Work on that. Trust that. And he said, work for what God provides. Now, the other thing I think most of us do is we, um, is we think about uh, working and being in control. Um, instead, of, instead of letting God do the work, we're thinking, well, maybe, maybe I'll just work for it. So that leads to the next question. And that is, well, what must we do to perform the works of God? So even though Jesus is saying, put your trust in the enduring work of the Father, they, they want to know what they need to do in order to make that happen. Now, most of us would go, I'm really glad that you want me to, you know, just give my life to trust you, God, but really, I'm, I'm quite organized, and I really like to be in control, and I really think I can kind of do this. I'd much rather know what I need to act and do <clears throat> than to trust that I'm going to count on what you're giving me. Now what happens is when we take control of our lives and we do that, we end up coming to God and going, oh, I, uh, can you help? Because I really kind of messed up here. I really need what you can give because I can't do it. But often, and I think daily, at least for me, I have to once again, I trust you, Lord. I'd like to control it, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. But they ask this question, what must we do to perform the works of God? This is a very me, me, me. So, gee, we're looking for you, and what do we need to do? And it's very just about me. The people are all together, but it's really about to me. And I think about my friend shared this with me, and if I get it wrong, she'll tell me because she sits in her congregation today. But it's a saying that goes like this, enough about me. What about you? Tell me what you think of me. And I think that's kind of what they're doing. Like, just tell me what's going to make me look good. What is it that I need to do? What is it performance? So tell me. And so Jesus turns it around again because what they're saying is, what must we do? What is the work that we must perform? And Jesus said, number one, it's not you. It's not the we. You're not the subject. Jesus is a subject. Works as in working for your salvation. Works is not the object. The object is the one work of God that he does in Jesus. And then it's not performing. It's not about what, what do I have to do to earn this, to get this. It is entrusting in the work that Jesus has done. And again, the, that takes work. Every day to get up and say, Lord Jesus, I don't know everything that's going on today, but I trust you. I have to say that again and again. 
but they keep thinking it's about just give me the formula, tell me what I need to do, and I'll be able to do that for you. And Jesus is saying, it's not about you, it's about me. It's not about your works, it's about the one work that the Father does through me. And it's not about your performing because God has already done that. All you have to do is trust what God has done. So then they ask another question. Okay, I'm not going to work. So the question is then, what sign are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? So we need to believe, but what are you going to do in order for us to believe? So they're asking this question and they go on to tell a story. Now, many of us are familiar with many Bible stories but not as many people know them. You know what I mean by that? We can tell you about the story, it's familiar to us, but we actually don't know it. We don't really know what it's saying, and that's exactly what happens. Well, you know, Moses fed all these people, and by the way, so Jesus feeds 5,000. Moses, Moses, they're thinking, fed hundreds of thousands for 40 years. So, I'm glad you fed us, and we think you can do more because, you know, Moses did that. So, so this is what we're saying. Look at what Moses did. You know, he was able to do that. They're familiar with the story. What they didn't know is it wasn't Moses, was it? It's the bread of heaven that God provides. And Jesus goes again and said, God provides bread from heaven, not Moses. Don't get confused once again with the subject here. And it was provided. See, Moses provided that. You just said that. But no, my Father who gives true bread is present. It is ongoing. It is always going to be there for you. That is that enduring, that everlasting bread that we all long and want. And then, again, every day, if you both are familiar, and if you read it very carefully, the manna, what happens at the end after they've collected it and they tried to save it? Not a great idea. Worms and rot. It only lasted for a time. But what the bread that the Father gives us lasts. It's eternal. The true giver, not being Moses, the true giver is God. The manna is from God. God is the one who provides, and he's trying to get these people to understand that. So all of a sudden they're going, wow, you're right. You know that I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of remembering this. So, so tell us, give us this bread now. Give us the bread that's going to endure. Give us the bread so that I don't have to worry about Caesar. I don't have to worry about ever going hungry again. Give me that bread. And then Jesus turns in the first of seven statements that we see through the rest of John, the I am statements that he begins. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. We all get hungry. Our daughter, Corinna, is still is. She's out of sports now, in, in a sense, but she was a great athlete all through elementary, middle school, and high school. They used to give her grief that I know you went to go to college, but I think you actually need to do academics also to get there. But, 
but sports were her thing, and she had a very good friend, Kira, and Kira, who's still a good friend of hers, was also very, very athletic. Kira's parents were from um, the southern part of Ireland, and Mal would watch Corinna play. Now, Corinna has the genes of both the Findleys and the Farleys together. That is like a boo, powerhouse. She also has the verb, I guess that's what I would call it, <clears throat> to win. And I'll never forget that Mal used to say on a regular basis, Kira, you need to be like Corinna. You need that hunger in your belly to do the best that she could do. So is there a hunger in your belly for that truth, that bread from heaven? Let's reflect on that for a few moments before we take communion together. Amen. will come from east and west, north and south, to sit at the table that the Lord has prepared. This is an open table. All those who trust in Jesus are welcome to come. Sometimes that trust fails, but Jesus never fails. So maybe today as you take communion, it's a reuniting of that faith, that trust. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, 
Thank you. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat together from the bread of heaven. In the same manner, after supper, Jesus took the cup and having blessed it, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. For every time you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you remember Christ's saving death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Will you please join me as we take together the cup of salvation? Pray with me, please. Gracious God, from all eternity, you have loved us and will continue to love us. You created us, Lord, to be in relationship with you and with the whole world, and yet we strayed. In the right time, you sent us your Son, Jesus Christ, humbly born, who walked the earth, who went through everything that we have gone through, and in obedience to you, suffered on the cross for our sake. Yet even death could not keep him down. For you raised him. And in the resurrection, we not only have life, now we have life, abundant life, eternal. Lord God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that indwells us, that at this table is present, that fills us afresh, so that we might go out and serve you in the name of your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.
Will you please stand with me for the benediction? That amazing grace that we want so much is available to us. We merely need to ask. Because you go out and you have those delicious donut holes. You will be hungry again. But the bread of heaven will fill you. It endures. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Amen.